We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. These are my absolute favorite episodes of the entire year. Today, I'm going to start my deep dive series into these Packer draft picks. The draft is over. We're going to start today with Lucas Van Ness. We're going to go one by one. I am not going to do a deep dive of the kicker. We'll maybe go over him in a little bit of detail when we get around that range, but super excited to kick this off. Like I said, we'll start with Lucas Van Ness today. And just to to give you kind of an idea of what I'm trying to accomplish here. A, this takes a ton of time, effort, and energy. I'm watching a ton of tape. Uh, I'm going to be going over as much as I can possibly find out about these players, uh, watching as, as much whether it's all 22 TV copy, as much as I can possibly dive into to give you guys the best picture of these players that and what they can ultimately bring to Green Bay. This is not your hot take. They're going to be a future Hall of Famer, all pro MVP. This is not a, they're going to be a bust. They suck. They're terrible. This is me trying to paint the best picture possible to give you exactly what I think their strengths are, their weaknesses are, and what they're going to have to work on and what they're going to be able to bring to Green Bay, you know, from day one. And every single one of these players that got drafted this past weekend. And even the undrafted guys, all of them have specific strengths that they have the ability to bring to the table from day one. All of them are going to have weaknesses that they need to work on. And if they don't work on them, they're not going to become successful players, at least not upper echelon players in the NFL. Some players have more strengths, clearly. Some have more weaknesses, clearly. But I'm 
trying to paint as best of a picture as I can to give you the exact idea what each of these players need to work on, what they can do from day one, and just give you everything that you need to know so that you know exactly what you can expect out of these prospects and these players, these draftees moving forward. So again, we're going to start today with Lucas Van Ness. We'll start by going over some of the stats and the bio and things like that, but then we're going to get into the real meat and potatoes, and I'm going to go over everything that I saw on tape with Lucas Van Ness and what I think are his strengths and weaknesses uh, that he's going to have to uh, you know, work on, and again, what he can bring uh, to the table from day one. All right, so he's a 6'5", 275-pound edge rusher out of the University of Iowa, a true redshirt sophomore, turns 22 in July. He has 11-inch hands. That's one of the biggest traits that he has just physically. He has huge hands, which is going to help him in a variety of different ways, going to allow him to sort of get those huge mitts on opposing offensive linemen, be able to control them a little bit better. If he misses with his hands a little bit, it's a little less uh, of an issue because they are so huge and he can still control players. And you certainly see that show up on tape as well. So those 11 inch hands certainly going to come in handy, especially as things get a little bit colder and you're playing, you know, offensive linemen in the, the bitter cold of Lambeau Field, that control, those huge hands certainly can come in handy. Statistically over his career, 71 tackles, 19.5 uh, tackles for loss, 13.5 sacks, no forced fumbles and no interceptions. From an athletic standpoint, he had a 9.39 relative athletic score, did all the testing. One of the standout tests for him was the 4.58 40-yard dash that he completed, but he was an absolute freak athletically, which you know shows with that 93rd percentile athletic score. If you want to look at his athletic comp, so uh, both RAS uh, or you know Kent Lee Platty, who does the RAS scores, and then Mock Draftable put everything into a huge database, and then it spits out what players in NFL history are the most similar to them athletically. So from an RAS standpoint, the best athletic comps that it spit out was Ezekiel Anta, the former Lions defensive lineman slash edge rusher, Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals, Preston Smith for the Packers, and then Trayvon Walker, uh, the edge rusher, first overall pick last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mock Draftable also had Preston Smith. They had Terrell Basham, Robert Quinn, Cameron Jordan of the Saints, and then they also had Ezekiel Ansa. So those are some names that if you're just looking for pure athletic comps, not necessarily saying play style or anything like that, but those are the athletic comps that both RAS and Mock Draftable spit out based on their measurables, their athletic testing, everything like that. From a PFF standpoint, had a 71, uh, 70.1 grade in 2021, an 80.2 grade in 2022. They graded him with 74 pressures and 558 pass rush attempts in his career, basically one pressure in every 7.5 pass rush attempts. Some more background and information on him. He was a former hockey player. He led his high school uh, hockey team in penalty minutes. He has a little bit of that hockey mentality to him. And you might be thinking, Andy, what does a you know hockey background possibly... A lot of the balance is really important. And, you know, if you have that balance to skate, the low center of gravity, and you can stay on your feet when you've got skates on on ice, you're probably going to be able to utilize that when you're playing in the NFL as well. Stay on your feet. Um, it's actually not a little bit of a strength of his. We'll get to that more in just a moment. But uh, that low center of gravity, his overall balance, his toughness, his intensity. Uh, again, you can tell if he's one of the, the lead, lead, you know, league leaders in penalty minutes, he's probably got a little bit of that mentality to him. Uh, so you'd like to see that. I think that's actually a positive attribute. And then, of course, there's the big, he never started a game at the University of Iowa. If that's been a talking point 
that you've been hearing. Iowa bases their starters almost always based on seniority. So he was a redshirt sophomore. So they had really good players ahead of him and they were juniors, seniors, etc. So they were the ones that got the start. He actually saw the most playing time. And if what you want to really look at is not whether they started the game, you want to look at their overall snap counts. And he actually, you know, led those players on his edge and, you know, interior defender in snap counts more often than not. He was in, in the big play situations in the key moments. That's, those are the things that you want to look at. And if we want to have a conversation of the top edge rushers of all right, how many snaps did they play over the past two seasons, you know, you look at um, Nolan Smith, who went first round, only played 687 snaps over the last two seasons. Lucas Van Ness was second lowest with 940. Will McDonald went two uh, two picks later after Van Ness. He played 1,020 snaps, 80 more snaps than Lucas Van Ness did over the last two seasons. And then Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, they were both within 200 snaps. They basically played like three to four more games than what Lucas Van Ness did over the past two seasons. It's completely irrelevant. The only one who had more snaps over the past two seasons in like a significant way was Will Anderson, who had 1,557. And that almost just like adds wear and tear to his body, if anything. So I am not worried in any way, shape or form. The starting thing was based on seniority. He played in the key pivotal moments and the like loss of snaps or whatever. He played plenty of snaps in almost every single game, was still their go-to player in those situations. And again, you can look at Will McDonald, Nolan Smith, two first round picks, and he was right there again, more than Smith and almost exactly the same as Will McDonald in snap count. So not an issue or a talking point at all. All right, let's get into our positives first because we like to be positive first, right? And there are a lot of them and I'll go through these obviously one by one and I'll break them down and tell you exactly what I saw on tape. So the first thing that stands out with him is that freak athleticism. He's he's a freak athlete and a lot of times when you see some of these athletic scores that are so high, sometimes they can test really well in the agility and the explosion drills, but they don't have that size, right? If you don't have quite the size, sometimes you can run a 4-3-4-40 and you can have an amazing, you know, uh, short shuttle in a three cone. And some of those things can kind of help your overall relative athletic score. But with Van S, he is 6'5", 275. And I, I tweeted out like when he got drafted, I, and I'll have to think here on the top of my head what some of the uh, the actual comps were, but he if you take him at safety, if you were a safety uh, in the draft and you did his mock draft or his uh, RAS score as a safety, he had a better RAS score at safety than Brian Branch. He basically had the same relative athletic score at running back as Jameer Gibbs. He had a better wide receiver RAS score than Jordan Addison. Um, I think it was Brian Brze who he had basically the exact same relative athletic score at defensive tackle. Um, there was a there was a corner too that got taken early in the draft that he had a better relative athletic score than at corner. Like that's the type of crazy athleticism that he has. That even if you move him to a different position, oh, it was a it was actually a tight end. It was Michael Mayer. If you put him at tight end, he had a better relative athletic score at tight end than Michael Mayer. These guys that were going early in the draft, he had a better relative athletic score at their position than they did. So that just kind of goes to show you exactly the type of freak athlete that he is. But on tape, that shows up. This is a player that if you're an offensive tackle, and there's a lot that Van Ness has to work on, which we're going to go over in just a moment. But if you look at him across from you as an offensive tackle, you're just 
not super happy that you've got to go against this guy for 40, 50 snaps a game. He comes at you with pace at 6'5", 275. He's got incredible get off. He has great strength. He's got incredible power. He can convert speed to power and he's just going to make your day a living hell. That's literally what it is. So you can win against him because he's not a finished product yet. There's definitely ways that uh, you can win and he can be a little bit predictable at times. We're going to get into all of those things in just a moment, but just based on pure athleticism, he has so much at his disposal. And that athleticism from day one is going to make him a viable player in the NFL. And you might be thinking, Andy, there's a lot of players that have you know elite athleticism and, and some of these traits and they just don't turn out. I understand that. But this is, he's also had good tape to go along with it, but you watch him on tape and he's just going to be a problem based on how he's built, based on his speed to power, based on how he can get off of blocks. He uses that hockey mentality. Like there's just a variety of things that he brings to the table, but it starts with that athleticism. And you look at all of the top tier edge rushers in the NFL, whether it be a TJ Watt, whether it be a Von Miller, whether it be a Joey Bosa, a Nick Bosa, like any of these guys, we can go on and on, but it starts with incredible athleticism. And Lucas Van Ness has that at his disposal. And if you want to go on top of that, then we can start getting into the hustle, the motor, the effort. And those are all things that he displays on tape. He has a do not give up mentality. There was a time that he got knocked to the ground, fell down, still got up, popped up immediately, accelerated to the quarterback and made a sack. There were multiple plays on tape where he's chasing plays down from behind. There are multiple plays on tape where he's stuck and he can't do anything, but he continues to work and works his way to the quarterback. Like those are the things that show up that... A lot of times, we, how many times we talk about it? like Jalen Carter, the big talking point through the entirety of like, this guy's maybe the best player in the draft. He's a freak athlete. He's got everything. He could destroy a game any, at any given moment, but you know, he doesn't care. Does he hustle hard enough? Like you get all of those talking points with Van Ness. That's none of it. Like you consistently see on tape him hustling after plays, him never giving up. He's got that nonstop motor. Those are exactly the things that you want to see from a player that has all of the, you know, natural given gifts that he has. Now you add to that the intensity, the hockey mentality, and the effort, the hustle, all of it. Those are exactly the things that you love to see. And he is relentless. He's got some of that TJ Watt relentlessness to him. It doesn't matter, like I said, if he gets knocked down. It doesn't matter if the play's on the opposite side of the field. It doesn't matter if he gets upfield and there's a screen ran to the other side of the field. He's going to go and chase down after it. So you get this high-end crazy athlete, but you got the will, the desire, the motivation, the heart to go right along with it. Next on the positive side of things is his versatility. And when I initially broke down his 2022 tape, I was like, I think this guy's an edge through and through. I thought he struggled a little bit more on the interior in 2022 and gone back and watched a lot of his 2021 stuff. You go back and watch his 2021, they started him as an interior defensive lineman and he held up very, very well over the course of the season at that position. I think he's an edge clearly in the NFL still. I think that's where they're going to start him. He is going to play on the outside just like they did with Rashawn Gary, and he is going to they're going to mold him into that position. However, I do believe that they are going to utilize him as a pass rush specialist on the interior who can rush from the inside as well. So he can play left side outside linebacker. He can play right side outside linebacker. He can put his hand in the dirt. You could put him as a a 4-3 defensive end, like I said, with his hand in the ground if you wanted to. You could put him inside as a pass rush specialist. He has a lot of different things that you can bring to the table. And one of the things that's nice is, let's say this is Joe Barry's last year. Let's say things don't go according to plan this season and Joe Barry ends up out. 
And next year, they want to bring in a coordinator and 4-3-3-4 doesn't matter. Let's just be clear. Everyone's in sub package all the time, but they want to put their two, you know, their two outside edge rushers with their hand in the dirt. Well, Rashawn Gary and um, and Lucas Van Ness can do that all day, every day. So you now have some versatility. If you know if they change something up or want to go in a different direction, he can. He has that versatility as well. So I love that he can play with his hand in the dirt. I love that he can play standing up. I love that he can play inside, outside, left side, right side. It doesn't matter. The only thing that he can't do is play nose tackle. So that, the versatility that he's going to bring to the table, I think he's actually more versatile than Rashawn Gary. I think we all kind of thought like, oh, Rashawn played his you know hand in the ground a little bit in college, and Rashawn's played a little bit on the inside, but Rashawn wins on the outside, converting speed to power, collapsing pockets, and just using his raw strength and athleticism. I think you're going to see much more versatility immediately out of Lucas Van Ness than I think we've even seen out of Rashawn Gary in his entire career so far. I think we're going to see that from day one. And one of the things that that allows you to do is it allows you to create mismatches. Think back to you know Zadarius Smith, right? Sidarius could rush over any of the five offensive linemen. He could rush standing up on the outside over the left tackle or right tackle. He could line up right over center and he could rush over center. He could line up, you know, hand in the dirt at uh, as like a three technique rushing from the inside over either of the guards. He could have rushed over anyone and been successful. And what that allowed the Packers to do is say, all right, here's their five offensive linemen. All right, their left guard is the worst. Zadarius is going to get a huge dose of that left guard. We're going to put him over that, that specific player. If there's that player along the offensive line, you know, and Lucas turns out the way that the Packers think that he can turn out, now you can go and pick the biggest weakness along the offensive line, line up Lucas over them, and hope that he just cooks through the entirety of the day like we saw Z do in some of those matchups that he had a huge advantage in. So that versatility is going to be huge. He does have some pass rush moves at his disposal already. There were multiple plays on tape where you saw him use a push-pull move. So he's, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to get the, the offensive lineman back into the quarterback. And then so he's pushing, 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 and then he's going to pull him this way and come and get around him. It's just trying to get the center of the offensive guard, the tackle, whoever it is, off balance. You see a lot of players use that push-pull move. He's got a fantastic long arm. So as he's rushing around the edge, he's going to get his long, super long arms out with those huge hands. He's going to bend around the edge. You can see him at that almost 45 degree angle. He's got that arm out. And so he's going to keep that offensive tackle at bay. They can't get their hands on him. And all of a sudden, before you know it, he's working his way around. And it's almost like that um, that arm is on, what is that, like a fulcrum or whatever it is? I don't know. I'm not a math major. But anyway, he works around the edge. And all of a sudden, before you know it, he's at the quarterback. And the quarterback's got to bail or he's going to make that sack. So uh, he does a really nice long arm move. And he does have the ability to convert speed to power as well. And that is his go-to. And it's a little, it's, it, there's so many parallels to Rashawn Gary here that it's kind of crazy, but Rashawn is a speed to power guy. And even though he's gotten better and he's added some moves to his arsenal, he is at his best when he tries to convert speed to power and go through players. That's when we see the really good Rashawn Gary. And as much as we're going to say, and we're going to say it in just a little bit when I get to his negatives, that with Lucas Van Ness, you want to see him put a better pass rush plan together. At the same token, what he is going to be is a speed to power bull rush, you know, outside edge rusher more often than not. And he has the ability to be extremely good at it, just like Rashawn Gary. So I don't necessarily blame him for you know continuing to go back to that well because when you're 275 with incredible strength and incredible body and uh, explosiveness off the line of scrimmage and have the ability to convert that speed to power get under pads use those huge hands yeah I would probably do a lot of that as well so um, those are his key moves but he does have a few different moves at his you know in his arsenal already 
And then the next thing that shows up is that physicality, that strength. There's a reason that he's nicknamed Hercules. He A, looks like it, but B, he uses that strength to his advantage. There were multiple plays on tape where he's taking 300-pound offensive linemen and he is throwing them around. Again, big hands, big power. He's getting on them. He's gauging. And all of a sudden, you will see guards on the ground in his college tape. And that is like, that's exactly what you want to see is him use that leverage and all of his God-given gifts to be able to go out and you, you know, maneuver and get these guys on the ground and just kind of, you know, throw some, some big uglies to the ground in the trenches. And he has the ability to do that. So when you see those sort of plays, it really opens your eyes and has that wow factor to it because you just don't see guys throw around some of these big 300 pound offensive linemen. He has that physicality. He has that strength. He also has the ability to disengage at the point of attack. So they're going and there's a run to his left run to his right. You will see, and we'll talk about this more in just a moment as well, but he can disengage off of those blocks and go make a play. Uh, you will. All, he, one of the other things that he does really well is he will very much make offensive linemen pay for their mistakes. If an offensive lineman gets unbalanced or takes a misstep or does anything wrong, he immediately takes advantage of it. And again, this is where those natural traits come out. When he is rushing at you a million miles per hour with that physique and with the, with everything that he has that he can bring to you, if all of a sudden you take a misstep or you do one tiny thing wrong, he's going right past you. He's throwing you to the side. He's getting you off balance. You don't stand a chance. So this is one of those players that you very much need to be ready to go against. And like I said, if you are going to make an error, he's going to make you pay for it. And your quarterback is going to be on the ground. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Maybe one of my favorite aspects about him, and we're going to talk about him maybe getting a few more wins and needing a few more wins, but I would argue that he rarely loses battles. There's a lot of stalemates on tape. I will say that. There's a lot of stalemates, but it's very rare that he loses. And what you, what I mean by that is 
when you're going head to head with a offensive tackle or a guard or a center all day, there's going to be a lot of stalemates. But what happens more often than not is sometimes the opposing player gets the best of you. Sometimes you get the best of the opposing player. And that's when I grade players on, you know, a, a you know, game by game basis, play by play basis. You're marking down the pluses and minuses. All right. How many wins did they get? How many losses did they get? You're putting a numerical value to that. And if they made a bigger play or got burnt badly, that's a weighted average, et cetera. We don't need to get into all of that. But ultimately through the course of the game, you're going to have some wins, you're going to have a lot of stalemates, and you're going to have some losses. What I see on tape with him more often than not is yes, there's a lot of stalemates. You're still going to get some wins, but you very rarely see losses. He's a very difficult player as an offensive tackle to pancake, to get to the ground, to... um, you know, to drive off of the uh, off of the field and open up a huge hole. Like more often than not, there's a lot of stalemates. Like don't, when he loses, it's not like a real loss. It's just like the offensive lineman is kind of just happy to survive or just get away with a stalemate in those situations. But you're not seeing many offensive linemen get real true wins against him when he's playing. I love that he can do absolutely everything. He can work the edge, work on the interior. He can be a pass rusher. He can be a run defender. You know, we look at some of these edge rushers, like a Nolan Smith, right? Nolan Smith went end of round one. Will McDonald went two picks later. Those are undersized pass rushers. It doesn't mean that they can't be phenomenal pass rushers and bring a lot to the table. I actually liked how both of those players specifically held up at the point of attack, given their weight uh, or lack thereof, I should say. But Lucas Van Ness has the bulk and the weight to hold up and be a real true edge setter on the de- on the you know defensive line or at the edge, and also go make plays off of that and shed blocks, while also being a potential top tier pass rusher in this class as well. He is one of the best players of of both worlds. I think third in this class, Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, the two ahead of him. But I think he was the third best in the class of being that pure overall edge player who can do everything. And again, you can also move him inside, uh, which is a real nice added advantage as well. Next, he can play every single down. So, you know, even though they took him out uh, some and they rotated him, he has the ability to play more. Uh, He can play on first down because he can be a run defender. He can play second down, third down, and he has some special teams value as well. Speaking of which, he had two block punts and he also earned a 2022 appreciation award for his special teams value and efforts. So he does have some actual four down value in the NFL as well. The other thing is he played with great leverage. He showed the ability to hold up against double teams. It wasn't always consistent, but what you're hoping to see on tape is the ability to do it. And I saw it in two different occasions. It was in 2021, actually, where they they tried to double team him and he held up at the point of attack. I actually posted one of the videos on Twitter. So if you want to check that out, you can go check that out uh, at, again, at, at Andy Herman NFL. But um, he actually, you know, got down and made sure that those two offensive linemen against him would not budge. There was another play where he got double teamed and full transparency, the double team was really bad. The center did a terrible job, but the guards got him. The center comes out, uh, kind of bumps him a little bit, but he's got a double team. They're trying to move him out of the gap and the running back comes up in that gap and he's looking to break that run right where Lucas Van Ness is. And that running back gets the ball, gets there, gets his head up and guess who's waiting there for him? Lucas Van Ness. Like those are some of the things that you see on tape. That running back had to bounce to the outside. Two players from Iowa were there. It ends up in, uh, I think, probably a, a no gain or a, maybe a yard loss, something like that. But it was all set up by the double team that Lucas Van Ness beat on the play. And the other one that I was talking about when they double teamed him and he kind of gets down, there was a couple of those. He's holding his ground. He's holding his leverage. And 
those were good blocks. They were trying to beat him, move him off his spot, and he just wouldn't let them. And those are very rare traits, especially for players that are going to be edge rushers and uh, potentially premium pass rushers. You don't see those interior plays where they can hold up against double teams. There actually were those plays on tape. Another thing that I love is his run defense awareness. He has the ability to control multiple gaps. He can chase down plays. He can close the back door on the backside of runs. And again, chase those down. Like he showed everything. There were multiple plays here as well, where he is controlling his guy and he's basically taking two gaps. And how there were two plays on tape. Um, they, they were almost the identical play, but it's a run to the outside and he's got inside contain. You know, he's coming inside the tackle, right? That That's his gap. And then he's got help to the outside uh, to come help him on his outside gap. So he comes up, he controls his man, basically he's kind of like setting the edge, but he's got the inside gap, remember? So he's kind of basically trying to force that running back to go outside to, you know, bring him to his help that he has on the outside. So he forces, he comes inside, forces that running back to the outside, but instead of the help getting there, what he does is he comes back to the other side, sheds that block and goes and makes that play on his own. He's controlling two gaps at the same time. And those are some of the really fun things that you see him do as a defensive player that gets you so jazzed up and excited. Because if he has that freak athleticism, the 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 heart, the intensity, the wherewithal, or the the you know, just the will, all of that to go with some of those, you know, plays as a run defender and then the pass rush skill, like that's why Green Bay's taking him at pick 13 overall. Yes, there are some things that he's going to have to develop and he is a very much, you know, still has a lot of developing to do, but those are the things that just open your eyes and be like, he can do everything and it's not all there yet, but it, the flashes of that and what he's shown on tape are legitimate and he has some real, really high upside when it comes to those things. I actually think he has really good natural football instincts considering that his first sport was hockey and he really just kind of started playing football in high school. The fact that he is like all in on football already and has those real just natural football instincts, I think is really impressive. Um, I think he's at his best gaining ahead of steam and starting as an outside edge rusher and rushing up on, you know, offensive tackles. I think that's where offensive tackles start to panic because you're just like, this guy's like going to be incredibly hard to stop and they've got to figure out what he's going to do and he can do so many different things against you. So I do like him best when he's got a head of steam built up. And another nice thing is you don't have to guess what he's going to become physically. There's a lot of these players in the draft that you're just not sure what they're ultimately going to become. They need to put on weight. They need to shed weight. They need to change. He is chiseled. He is yoked. He is everything that you want him to be already. And now he's just going to probably put on more functional strength. You don't want him to probably do too much because he's already got great strength. You don't want him to lose his change of direction or his agility or his speed or anything like that. So like he's, he's in a very good spot already with where he's at physically. In addition, he had really big wins on tape against both Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr., two of the top, what, 10 picks in this year's draft. So he showed off that he can win against high-end talent. And the best thing here is that he continues to progress as a player. As I mentioned, he's still incredibly young. His best football is still ahead of him. He consistently showed growth at the University of Iowa. And the game hasn't come close to slowing down for him yet, like not even close. So this is just a raw athlete that's doing some natural football stuff already, that's still learning the position, that's still learning everything. And there's going to be that time and place, in my opinion, where things start to slow down and he starts seeing things at, uh, you know, at his pace. And then it's, it's game over for what he can potentially develop into. Now, 
There's obviously going to be a list of negatives as well. The biggest one is you see him on the ground far too often. Now, he has good balance. He showed it off with the the hockey skills. And like I said, it's very difficult for opposing offensive linemen to get wins against him, but you will see him just end up on the ground a little bit too often. And that's something that he's going to have to correct. You can't make plays theoretically when you're on the ground um, and you need to be able to stay on your feet so that you can stay active and go make plays. So that's something that he's going to have to do a better job of. To be fair, I thought he did a better job of it in 2022 than he did in 2021, which is a good sign. Um, And then also with that, is just kind of holding up against double teams. Like I said, he showed the the potential to do it. He had a couple different plays on tape where he did it extremely well, but sometimes against double teams, he will get absolutely washed out of the play as well. So you're just looking for a little bit more consistency there. He is a relentless player, but there are times where he'll go for his initial move and it doesn't work. And then he's just like, he's almost like searching for like, all right, what am I going to do next? What can I do? He needs to develop that plan of like, all right, my initial thing didn't work. Now, what do I do? And that's just going to come with time and and him developing as an edge rusher. But there's a little bit too much just kind of standing there, patty cake. He's staying active, but he needs to figure out a way to disengage from that and go make a play. Uh, He will play a little bit too upright. uh, So that's something that he's going to have to improve. And he will show the flashes of the bend, the change of direction. But other times he does feel like he's a little bit locked up and a little bit stiff. So um, I saw a play where he started on the interior, looped to the outside, bent around the edge and went and made a sack on the quarterback. So you will see flashes where he shows off that agility. There's a play against Aiden O'Connell where uh, he comes unblocked. And then Aiden O'Connell like does that little dip in and then like go out that gets so many defensive linemen and edge rushers because they're coming at a million miles per hour and they can't stop and change directions. Well, O'Connell did that. And then he kind of had, um, you know, he kind of had Van Ness stuck in mud for a second. At least it looks like that was going to be the case, but except Van Ness just changed directions and went right towards a beeline on him and showed off that speed and chased him down and got a huge sack on the play. So those plays work against most edges. They didn't work against uh, Lucas Van Ness, but there are a lot of times on tape too where, again, he looks a little bit more stiff and doesn't look quite as agile and doesn't quite show that change of direction that you have seen the flashes of, but it's not consistent. Does need to do a better job of keeping a head on his, uh, his head on a swivel. There are times where he'll get engaged with the blocker and not realize that somebody else is coming to just clean him out. And all of a sudden he's on the ground because he didn't recognize that another player was coming to double team him. And again, before you know it, he's on the ground. I think there's a big question whether or not he can drop into coverage. That's something that he basically didn't do. Um, He was barely asked to do it. So he's going to have to show that he can drop in coverage. You're not drafting him to cover, but you do need to show the ability to do so. Uh, And there are going to be plays just like we've seen with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary from time to time where you just need to drop into coverage. So I think that's going to be a question mark. Maybe one of the biggest things is he, he needs to be much more diverse in his move set. He needs to set up defenders. He needs to stack moves. He needs a better cadence as a rusher. Offensive lineman can easily predict what he's going to do because he just doesn't have that much at his disposal. And he likes to go to his speed to power bull rush move more often than not. I did think that things started to heat up a little bit in 2022. His hands were improving a little bit, but his overall pass rush plan and arsenal needs a lot of improvement. And I think the biggest thing and maybe the biggest takeaway is that you need to see him start making a bigger impact in the game in a larger way. This is the 13th overall pick. There's a lot going into this. And all of the things that we mentioned in the positives are true and legitimate, but we need to see him start making some of those more wild plays. No forced fumbles, no interceptions, 13.5 sacks in two years, which is good. 
Um, but I want to see him start impacting the game a little bit more and, you know, start having those huge impact plays that are just, un, you know, undeniable. And you're like, oh, wow, like that's what he's going to bring to the table. You will see him disappear for stretches of the game when he's on the field and not making plays. And you're kind of just left wanting a little bit more at times and want to start seeing him make that bigger impact. It didn't always happen at Iowa. Green Bay is certainly hoping, hoping that it is going to happen in Green Bay. Uh, what can he bring to the Packers in 2023? There's a very good chance he's the starter at edge until Rashawn Gary is 100% healthy and ready to play. After that, I love the rotation at edge rusher. You've got Gary, Preston, Inigbare, and now obviously Lucas Van Ness as well. I think that group of four can be really, really fun and really bring a lot of different flavors to the table on how they can get to the quarterback. Plus he can pinch inside and be used as a, a rotational pass rusher on passing downs as well. I thought he was a, a really great landing spot, landing in Green Bay. It would have been better if Rashawn Gary was ready to go week one. And maybe he will be. Maybe they'll make an amazing recovery. But likely it's going to take Gary a little bit of time. But if Gary and Preston could have been those main starters right away, and then Van Ness could have kind of worked his way in, kind of like Gary did, I think that would have even been better. I think he's more ready to make an impact on day one than Gary was. But either way, I think he's coming into a really good situation. He's going to get to learn from Preston, learn from Rashawn. And Rashawn just basically went through the same learning curve that he needs to go through. So I think there's a real positive there as well. Um, I, like I said, I think it's a, a perfect landing spot overall. His contract's going to be a four-year, $17.3 million contract with a $9.6 million signing bonus and a $3.1 million cap hit in 2023 per Spotrac, and he is going to wear number 90. My final thoughts on Lucas Van Ness is I have a couple different theories. One is good for Van Ness. One is bad for Van Ness. The bad one is that I have a, when you're, especially when you're taken early in the draft and you can't use the same theory on offensive linemen, it's not created the same for all positions, but I have sort of my theory of, all right, if I had the Iowa game on in the background and was just kind of watching casually, would I notice Lucas Van Ness? Would his name keep coming up over and over? And I don't think that that was always the case. And that's where I kind of said, I want to see him start making a bit more of an impact. I want to start hearing his name more on some of those big plays. I want to see some forced fumbles. I want to see him get to the quarterback a little bit more. I want to hear as I'm like doing something else and, you know, multitasking and I've got Iowa, you know, Ohio State or now the Packers on in the background, whatever it is. I want to hear Lucas Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness. And I didn't think that always was the case at Iowa. I think you want to see him start making a little bit more of that impact. Now, my other theory is sometimes football comes down to if you're out at recess and you've got seven guys out on the out on the fence to make your eight-man teams or whatever, and everyone's lined up, which guy are you picking first? And Lucas Van Ness, if you lined all the guys up that were in this draft class, Lucas Van Ness might just be the first guy that you would take off the board uh, if you were to line them all up against the fence at recess. So he passes that theory. He doesn't always pass the, if I'm casually watching a game theory. I do believe though that he is going to be able to help from day one. I very much believe that he's already going to be a good player. I think he's going to get better and he's going to get... Um, He's going to have a better and more impactful start to his career than even Rashawn Gary did. So I do think all of those things are true. He's good already. I think he's going to get better. I think he's got a lot of upside and I think he can come in and contribute right away. But I think upside is really the buzzword here. He has everything that he needs at his disposal to be a Pro Bowl caliber player, to even be an all pro caliber player. And now it's up to Green Bay and Lucas Van Ness to unlock all of it. Like I said, he's going to be good and I think he's going to be good from day one. But the difference, in my opinion, from being like a Patrick Kearney or a Grant Wistrom 
players that played a really long time in this league and had really nice careers, but never were really superstars or a Jared Allen slash a Rashawn Gary. You know, and Gary still has a, a little bit of ways to go and needs to continue his upward swing to get there as well. But the difference between those is how well he develops. I think, like I said, he's going to be a solid, good player almost no matter what. It's almost impossible for him to fail, in my opinion. But if you really want him to be that impact superstar player, there's a ways to go. All of those weaknesses are things that he's going to have to work on. He's going to have to put a pass rush plan together. He's going to have to get more skilled at the position. But those are all things that you can teach. And those are all things that you can get better at and develop as you go on with your career in the NFL. All the things that you can't teach, he has in absolute spades. And I could not be more excited about his upside as an edge rusher. I'll leave you with this. An NFC scout in uh, Bob McGinn's, he, he does a great job of putting together all the uh, quotes from anonymous scouts and things like that. An NFC scout said, he's a good player, but you want greatness in that position. And that scout is a million percent right. This is a premium position that you spent the 13th overall pick on. And this is all going to come down to what level of his upside can he ultimately reach? I think the, the floor is incredibly high. Like I said, he's going to be a good player, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. But there is a real opportunity here for him to be on the levels of the Bosa's, and maybe not quite TJ Watt, but I don't know that it's necessarily that far off. Jared Allen was my high-end comp for him. There is a ceiling that he can reach that he becomes a phenomenal player. But there's work to be done. And like I said, that's that work is going to start right now. And the good news is, is he has everything that he needs. But I want to start seeing him make some real legitimate plays and become that really big playmaker that Green Bay is so desperate to have on their defense right now. The duo over Sean Gary and Lucas Van Ness has the ability to be really, really fun as a tandem in the NFL. Their upside is nearly unlimited. And if they can reach their ceilings, NFC teams, NFL teams, anyone that plays the Packers are going to have a very hard time matching wit for wit with those two edge rushers on the outside. Super excited about Lucas Van Ness. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be right back here tomorrow with Lucas Van Ness. Uh, sorry, with Lucas Musgrave. Too many Lucases. But with Lucas Musgrave, Luke Musgrave, uh, the tight end. So super excited to go over him with you tomorrow. I've also got a couple episodes coming up soon that are bonus episodes with Ben Fennel and Tony Pauline as well. And we're going to break down the entire Packers draft and go over that with those two draft experts as well. So keep an eye out for those bonus episodes as well. That is going to do it for me today. Always appreciate you. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done